hits, and you don't like it, and then I, well, actually you do like it if I redo it, because you don't like the shtick I do. So welcome everyone to Wages of Cinema, I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And you just missed the wonderful preamble I did before the show, that this tyrant over here won't let you hear. Oh, he hates, darn it. He hates random sounds of steam escaping from my body after a long day in the heat. And all right. Today's a good day. Is it? Yeah, any day we talk about movies is a good day, Jack. It is. It's better than doing other work. It's better than being in Turkey. Okay. <laughs> That's quite a segue. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're not in Turkey where a military coup almost happened, but not quite. Yeah. And things are pretty screwed up there. But we're here talking about movies. And if you're in Turkey listening to us, uh, thank you. Thank you for staying safe and putting on your earphones or whatever you have there. We really appreciate the effort on our, on your behalf to listen to us and yes. to be awesome. Yeah, that goes for everybody out there. Thank you for being you and being awesome. Um, now, I don't know how to start this, but let's get right how into it. How about with the email? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? I did want to talk. All right, let's go into the email first. We got an e- is- uh, we got a we got an email from our good friend Gabe Rodriguez, and he asked us a very interesting question. Hello, Gabe. Um, yeah, uh, so- he sent us this very nice, very long email, it which is which it was, which is great to read. But the essence of his uh, he, he asked a very good question, which is what Jack. Um, he asked us, uh, how often do you go to see older films on the big screen and is the experience always worth it? And after that, he goes into a story talking about, uh, Fanny and Alexander and Oh, one of your favorites. Yeah. Well, that movie has, um, that has two different cuts. Um, now the thing is he, uh, like, cause he went to go see the 35 millimeter print of the film on the big screen, but that's the theatrical cut. Which is only three hours. Yeah. <laughs> only. But he said the print was not very well preserved. And Although certainly with Fanny and Alexander, you get you get your money's worth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The funny thing is, I actually went to see um, uh, Fanny Alexander on the big screen, the longer cut. And it was cut, it, it actually had an intermission, if I remember correctly. Because there, technically, it was made for television. I still count as a movie. I don't care. Be nitpicky. Come at me. Move mini series. Oh, you movie are. Bros. You are gonna get the. Uh, you are gonna get the <laughs> Fanny and Alexander fanboys right riding your ass. <laughs> the the Fanny Bros. <laughs> But, but it's a great question. I yes. remember three. I can think of three movie, three older films that I went to see in the theater. Uh, the first one uh, that comes to mind, and you know, I guess I'll front load it. Probably the best experience I've ever had was seeing the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, yeah, in was, a movie theater. I feel like that was. I don't think that was like the first movie we saw together in a theater. I'm sure. I'm, no, I feel like we certainly saw not. Well, I feel like yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there were others. But that was one of the first ones that really stood out as like an experience with you. I think maybe because other movies we had seen that year, I mean, we saw some bad movies. We saw we did that double feature of Bratz and uh, I Know Who Killed Me. A Night to Remember. Yes. Wait a uh, minute. I thought, never mind. But, no, uh, a Night to Remember is a different movie. Um, <laughs> a very different movie. Uh, but no, that was very, it was a very memorable experience in large part because of also, when you have that format of somebody actually at a piano 
playing it with was, the movie. Yeah, they had an, a live organ player, and it wasn't just that. They told us this. It uh, told us about the print we were watching. It was actually kind of cobbled together from a few different sources. Yeah, it had color in the open. In the opening, it was supposed to have some sound with a guy talking, but all the sound had been lost. Uh, be- Really? There were so a few. That, I forgot about that. For like a really, someone had cut in some sound because sound was a novelty, and they thought, "Oh, let's yeah. put some sound. The kids will dig it." Twenty three skidoo. Yeah. And then there were, and then it was color tinted in a lot of places, uh, especially in, in the mask scene, the big dance in the middle of the I film, love those which was w- which was fantastic. Uh, and we had the live organist, and it was one of the best movie going experiences of my life. You're just reminding me of something that, uh, not to get on a tangent, but. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Charlie Chaplin re-released uh, a number, uh, almost all of his silent films in the sound era. Yeah. And, and I, he provided narration for some of them. Oh, God. I was... remember, I actually once, I actually went a number of years not having, I never, I didn't watch The Gold Rush for a long time because I rented a copy from the library and it was one where he was narrating part of it. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, no, this doesn't work. No, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> no, 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 no sound. Like now City Lights is different because he made that in the cusp of going from silent to sound. So that's fine. City Lights is essentially a silent film, but it uses the technology of sound to enhance the experience. Yeah. Uh, and, and especially uh, so does modern times. Sound is very much a part of that. Film. Yeah. But, uh, but no, that, that was a very memorable experience. Also Casablanca. Yeah. We got you. We saw that together. That was uh, a load of fun for me. Have you ever seen a class? Like, I don't know. Maybe this is uh, not to, sound like oh i'm i'm somebody who's i mean you don't really go to many classic movies have you seen many classic movies on your own on a big screen no the only other movie i can think of a classic that i've seen is another one i saw with you i saw a fistful of dollars yeah that was great i think we talked did we tell that story about uh the q and a no oh man <laughs> All right, for just... the record ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Uh, lots of people do classic movies with Q and A's afterward, mm-hmm. and I hate Q and A's. You using the word hate? I don't hate them. It depends. No, on I who hate it is. them because I feel very awkward when people ask. Really? When people ask very awkward questions. Oh no no that can be tough. <laughs> if um uh. Hold on. I'm like, I'm always like, please, whoever's raising their hand, please have a good question, something interesting. But, but you know, it's eventually somebody asks a a kind of a an obvious or or strange question, and it it, it gets a little strange. I've been, I I mean, I do like hearing from people who I really love. Um, I mean, I've gotten the chance to see uh, Scorsese do a Q and A. I've seen Terry Gilliam. Uh, David Lynch. I've seen a number of people. I'm, I'm just gonna name drop, but I won't. Um, but no, no, it is awkward. I think I, I, I think I, did I tell the story about when I, I actually asked an awkward question once? You did. Yeah, I went to this uh, special screening at the New York Film Festival, uh, and this is God, like twelve. Uh, forgive me, audience, if I've told this story before. It was a screening of the Big Red one. Okay. Uh, you know, with Mark Hamill and uh, Lee Marvin, what? a big World War II movie. Yeah. They re- they released like this special restored version, 
And um, it's actually the only version. Now that's the version that you can get on DVD. This is like the first time anybody was seeing it. And I had never seen it before. I was really hyped for it. And I asked, Mark Hamill is actually there. And huh. there are a number of people. There are a number of cast members. Uh, Samuel Fuller, the director, he's dead, but his widow was there. And I asked some question about like authenticity or how like things were true to life. And how things were like were fact versus fiction, and I got like the awkward pause where no one knows what to say. <laughs> oh, that's agony. And then like Mark Hamill broke the ice and did like an imitation of Sam Fuller or something, and then the audience laughed. But <laughs> thank um, you, Mark Hamill. Yeah, you are Mark... truly our hero yet again. Yes. Um, but I would say that to to Gabe's question because he was asking about does that experience. Is it better than seeing it on a on a small screen? I think that was what he was kind of getting it. Like he also yeah, said, it's way better. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's worth seeing any classic film that you love on a big screen because that's the way it was meant to be seen, and it's well, definitely he, a different experience. Well, in his email, he makes the point that if you're at home watching it on a Blu-ray, you can be a little bit more comfortable than if you're in like a movie seat. Um, I guess maybe there's something to that, but there's also the aspect that you're seeing it in the biggest possible format that you can with sound that you can control. You're not having to raise the volume or lower the volume. You don't have to worry about things like if your parents are home, if they're going to like ask you to take out the trash or something like that. Yeah. And so, as long as nobody in the theater is being a jerk, then you know you should have a thrilling theater-going experience. Yeah. He also asked another question. And which, people who tend um, to see classic films in a movie theater are people who really like films, so they're yeah. they're pretty considerate, as far as I've experienced. I've actually that's a to to address your point. Oh, are you going to tell the story about Doctor Strangelove? Was there a story with Doctor Strangelove? Yeah, you said you saw Doctor Strangelove, and there was a guy who. Who kept on yelling at the people for laughing? <laughs> I don't remember that. You don't? Maybe that, that maybe that was someone else. No. Have you seen Doctor Strange Love in a I've movie theater? I've seen it twice in the big screen. Huh. I don't remember that happening when I when I saw it. Um, I have had the experience though of I've had the experience of seeing a movie on the big screen, an older movie, and people were snickering and laughing, and it was made me feel very uncomfortable. Um, my, the, 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 can you tell us what movie it was? Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, <laughs> I saw that on the big screen and that was a movie where it's an, ex, it's one of the most disturbing movies ever made. Yeah. Um, bar none. It's also actually a very well-made film and almost the fact that it's actually a well-made exploitation movie makes it even more sickening. Like yeah. you can't just ignore it as just some piece of whatever it, it really gets under your skin but you but there were like these hipsters or whoever who were just like snickering at like the soundtrack like because the, the movie does have at points a soundtrack that maybe you could kind of giggle at like there's a sometimes there's a sound that whoever the composer was did like doo, doo. like it was almost like that with a synth huh i found it kind of creepy with the movie but there are these guys who are like <laughs> and then they started to do the sound of it with each other like doo, doo. and meanwhile a turtle is getting ripped in half mm. and i mean a real turtle oh yeah i believe you um yeah, he also well, he also asked another question in the email which i think is just way 
I don't know if we could address this. this is way too loaded. Asking this about, is way out of line. No, but no. asking like 35 millimeter versus digital, that great. That, that's a whole podcast that I don't know if we can get into right now. I um, will say in the answer to your question, 35 millimeter or digital, yes. <laughs> well, you gave an answer. It might not be the one he wanted, but it's an answer. I'm Andrew, Wages of Cinema. You're welcome. Yes. Um, All right, so I hope that answers your question, uh, Gabe. I almost called you Greg. Thank you, Gabe. Gabe, thank you for okay. the question. Now, you are great. Now let's get to... We love you. Now let's get to talking about some new movies, because um, right off the top... Um, Have you seen Ghostbusters? Damn it! I had to, like this whole intro ready, and you blew it. <laughs> a class for apparition that's okay she seems peaceful my name is Erin gilbert doctor of particle physics at <laughs> that stuff went everywhere by the way in every crack very hard to wash off <laughs> damn it i was gonna have this whole thing where i was like so i happened to see this very little out of the way movie that nobody has ever heard of what do you think of ghostbusters about. jack can i give like a one not even one word review, like one sound review. Go ahead. It's like... <laughs> I'm like a chicken. Or I'm like the penguin. The yeah. penguin gives it two flippers down. <laughs> so it's just kind of uh, black. Kind of mediocre. On, uh, on, it... on special. I, the, here's what I would say. It, it's very, um, it's funny, there's actually a throwaway line where one of the Ghostbusters near the end says, now I know how Batman feels. <laughs> I thought that was kind of an interesting line. This is why I Superman think, works alone. I mean, people are going to ask me, like, what's wrong with the new Ghostbusters? As if immediately I have to say that something is wrong with something because it has the name of Ghostbusters. And it's... There, there are a few issues with the movie that really make it like something I, I don't want to watch us very soon. But there are things I liked about it too. Like, it's not a black or white issue. Like, and that's how sometimes you have to approach a movie. There's a lot of gray area with this thing. Um, Fair enough. So what's uh, so give us like give us one okay. likable thing about this film. Uh, well, well, right off the bat, a likable thing is uh, all right. So you have this cast. You have Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy. Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. Right. Now, there are a number of people who are, who are going to pick out their favorite Ghostbuster. For me, by far, Kate McKinnon is the standout of this movie. She plays this uh, character named Holtzman. Who uh, of the original four? Which one is she? Is she the? Is she like she's the Egon? The most, is she's she the, the most Egon like? Okay. I, see, that's one of the problems, though. Before I get to Kate McKinnon. Like, All right, so so now we have one. a so now we have a problem here. Uh, you, uh, but but you're you, making me think of it now because there was something that a friend of mine once talked with me about, and I agree with him. And he called it the Ghostbusters paradigm. Uh, you could also call it the Ninja Turtles paradigm or the Avengers paradigm, which is you have like four characters who all have really distinct personalities, and they also have very clear roles in the group. So, I mean, in, Ghost, in the original Ghostbusters, Peter Venkman, he's a little bit like the audience in a way, but he's also kind of a wise-ass. You right. have Ray Stance, who's more of the leader. He's somebody who uh, is tries to take charge. He really 
believes wholeheartedly in this thing that he's doing with catching ghosts. He's the you, Captain America yeah, of the have, Ghostbusters. Yeah, you have e, yeah, and you could say that Venkman's the Tony Stark. Yeah, Egon, exactly. Egon is Mister Science. He's so wrapped up into his own head that he, uh, you know, can't even communicate with people in a way like. You know, he'll see a person, like, while he's looking for ghosts, and he'll just kind of tap them. Um, <laughs> he's, I guess, the Donatello uh, in the paradigm. If we're going to mix metaphors, go ahead. Well, the Ninja Turtles work, too. And then uh, Winston is even more like the everyman. He's kind of like the fourth guy. He's there to even be even more of the audience. That one can be a little bit more He's the Bruce assigned. Banner. He's, or, I don't even know, not even Bruce Banner. I would say he's more like Thor. Maybe. Well, uh, no, the okay. point is, this new Ghostbusters doesn't have that. It doesn't really have that strong of the paradigm, except that Kate McKinnon. See, I'm bringing it back around here. Kate McKinnon is really great as this really dorky, quirky nerd. Like she goes the other way from Egon. Like, and you could almost say that's a stereotype, and it maybe is, but she embodies it so well, and she really makes it her own. It feels like something original. Not original, but it feels like something different in this movie. Whereas, I look at Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, to me, they're mostly interchangeable in this movie. Like, they try to give them some kind of dynamic early on, these characters, but they don't really make them types in the way that I felt with the original Ghostbusters. And I don't mean They don't feel distinct. Yeah, now, I wish I could... Now, I, I, I could... I could criticize this movie on its own, but one of the problems also is this movie almost doesn't let me. It, it keeps reminding me so much of the original Ghostbusters. Hmm. It just does it over and over again. They they shoehorn in cameos from the original cast. <laughs> Even Harold Ramis makes a cameo in head bust form, which is kind of creative. Yeah. yeah but, like... Bill Murray is even given, like, an extended cameo. He plays, like, a ghost skeptic. <laughs> Which, it sounds... You kind of smirk and laugh when you first hear about that. And, obviously, when I first saw him, I'm like, eh, Bill Murray. They give him nothing to do. He just comes in, sits down in a chair, and that's his scene. Nothing. Um, you know, they, they, they shoehorn in other cameos. It, And then also, like, things like... Hey, you remember this thing you like? You remember Slimer? Hey, you remember the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, even though he shouldn't even be in this movie? Yeah, I remember those. <laughs> yeah, well, they're in this movie. Here you go. It, it, it's So, aside from not really having the strong personalities, aside from, well, Kim McKinnon, also Leslie Jones, I guess she goes the other way, too, because Winston Zedmore in the original Ghostbusters, he was more, he was a little more subtle. Yeah. He was just kind of, he could have. He, he was, he was pretty reserved. Yeah, he, he was just kind of like the guy who, you know, I'm just here to have a job. You know, I, I just want to <laughs> get paid. Yeah. You know, this isn't worth another five a year. Um, whereas Leslie Jones, she, now, Grant, did you, you saw the trailer. I've seen the trailer. She, now, she, she, she goes uh, the other the way. The power of pain, Kripalazu. Now, she doesn't do that as much as the trailer might lead you to believe. Okay. But she does it enough. And she... Now, that being said, this I could go into a whole other topic about, I don't know how aware you are of all the crap happening because of Ghostbusters on the internet. Uh, I know of it. Well, the most recent thing is that these 
just I'm going to be frank with this word, douchebags were going after Leslie Jones using like racist terms, you know, and you know they, they bullied her to the point where she just was like, I don't want to be on Twitter anymore. And uh, you know what? I didn't like her that's a, that's... overall in the movie. Don't do that to somebody. No. Don't do that to someone on Twitter. I I even tweeted her and apologized, even though I hadn't didn't do anything. <laughs> I just apologized on behalf of my race. <laughs> on behalf of Jews? Well, the white race. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so the point is, Ghostbusters... The other th- question to have about this is, is it funny? Is it funny? Uh, that's where my eh really comes in. I had a few laughs here and there. Some of them were from Kim McKinnon. Sometimes they would have a throwaway line that would make me chuckle or laugh. Oh, the other thing, Chris Hemsworth actually is in the movie, right. by the way, going back to Thor. He he plays the secretary. Right. And he plays it as a ridiculously dumb blonde. He's one of the most charming things about the movie, though, huh. because he's very likable. He's like a little puppy or something. <laughs> like, he he's the kind of guy who, in his job interview, he has, like, on his laptop a illustration of like a hot dog in front of a house and, and they're asking like isn't that for like another pre- like job interview or something oh no no see that hot dog is like the ghost that's haunting the house and they're like well that's a little esoteric i guess <laughs> so there are clever things in the movie the problem is is that there's also a lot of dumb just dumb things a lot of fart jokes there's even a uh you might want to put your kids away when i say this a vagina fart joke. Queefing. Yes. <laughs> That's the term you're looking for. I just I just said it that way in case you didn't know. All right, I'm glad you know what queefing is. Uh, you've heard all here first. Wages of Cinema. Andrew knows what queefing is. Um. Anyway, I by the near the end of the movie, it also just in the original movie it was a lot more clever, and you you know you had the characters talking out things. And it was really clever dialogue. It was often very subtle. It was very much kind of commenting on the fact, like, Bill Murray kind of be like, oh, great, we have a ghost again. Now, there's something you don't see every day, a giant marshmallow man. You know, that kind of humor is missing from this movie. There are a couple of moments here and there where it happens, but they're just so few and far between. And also, now, this is a small thing. There's also a lot of product placement that, that kind of weighs it down a little bit. Uh, so I don't know. I, I know I sound like I'm all over the place talking about this movie, but I, I, I think you've just basically made your point. It's it it seems very mediocre. And yet it's all yeah. And now it's also it's it's a pretty safe movie. I mean, if your kids really want to go see it, go take them. You know, I mean, whatever. Now that said, if you do take them to see this Ghostbusters, show them the original too. Make sure they know what this was coming from. And not to make up their minds. Exactly. (laughs) Now, that's, I mean, I know that little girls will be like, oh, I have Ghostbusters and role models. It's great. I know we had this long conversation when we talked about James Rolfe. Um, After watching this movie and all the fallout, I get why he didn't see it. And it's because of what he would have had to endure with. The reaction. I don't think he. I, I'm actually convinced he would didn't really. 
he, he wasn't really feeling strongly either way about going to see it. He just really didn't want to deal with the internet as a whole, <laughs> as it's become, where, of all things, Ghostbusters becomes this referendum on feminism. Of all uh, things, Ghostbusters? It's It's just... It's a kind of awkward situation that really doesn't need to exist. You're even awkward trying to address the awkward situation. And now we have a film which is which and by which by your account seems pretty mediocre. It's safe and it's too. just it's so like you know you could take your kids to this and it's fine. Like there's you know there are a couple little jokes here and there. Like at one point they they shoot like the the proton packed uh laser what do they call that beam beam the laser beam hits like a ghost's like genitals genital area but oh, oh. but you know yeah. Uh, yeah so that's why i want to review the movie like I, again i didn't hate it i but i certainly didn't love it it, it lacked you know what it also lacks ultimately it's not a very quotable movie I like my Ghostbusters to be quotable. Even Ghostbusters uh, 2 I like is movies to be quotable. Yeah. In general. This, what's quotable about this? Like, the power of pain compels you. <laughs> what? That was, your, that was your review when you started. Yeah. <laughs> like, my, that's a little bit more like Patton Oswalt. Like, he has, like, he has some bit recently where he was just like, <laughs> and I just, I thought it was great. And, All right. and as you said, he's going to be on an episode of My Little Pony, so... Oh, yeah, we'll I told you about that. You were very... Yeah, that that's pretty cool. And Huzzah! It, all right, so um, before I get into other movies I've seen, have you seen anything uh, that you want to talk about? No movies. I haven't seen any movies. None at all. You. Of course I mean seeing movies. You, uh, sir. Come on, give me something. Uh... Even something on TV that maybe you watched over like your parents' shoulder or something. I've been mainly watching things for future episodes, so I'm trying to think okay. of, of other things that I maybe have watched since our last uh, All episode. All right, if you haven't thought of anything, I could go on about something else. Uh, yeah, you go on with something okay. else. I'll think about it. All right. Um, well, the same day that I rewatched I re a movie, which we're going to talk about later in the show, I'm giving a little tease there. That same day, um, because I was watching that particular movie with my wife, for some reason while ta we were watching it and we talked about somehow the movie Showgirls came up oh, in discussion. Yeah. Um, and so we decided just after of nothing, we had a few couple hours to kill. <laughs> Let's just find Showgirls and watch it. And luckily it was on one of the on-demand networks and I hadn't seen that movie in a long time. I have never seen Showgirls. Hmm. And I, and I think it's a movie that I should see. You, Preferably with you or, I, you, or a friend. You should have been there. I do feel like that. that you would have you been had great... to be married and stuff and, and have <laughs> ideas, apparently. I had to elope and have, like, experiences with someone that's not you. Yeah, what's the deal? So, Showgirls. Uh, showgirls. Um, yeah, I mean, what can you say? It's, it's a terrible script that and yet the movie is a lot of fun yeah like i i would say this movie is a lot of fun despite how terrible it is like i would give the movie on like a five star scale two out of five stars for objective reasons because the script is a steaming pile of horse crap yeah it is just actually that's not fair because horse crap can be used for like fertilizer 
things. Um, <laughs> this... you, you can use scripts to line the line the bottoms of bird cages. Yeah. Um, the thing about this movie, so I, if you don't know really what it's about, basically, this girl from out of town goes into Las Vegas and decides I'm going to make it as a dancer. And at first, she's dancing at the Cheetah, which is a strip club, and but she's taken by her friend who. Uh, who she befriends in a very comical way, by the way. Like, she first goes into Vegas because she hitches a ride with a guy, and he absconds with, like, her suitcase that she accidentally leaves in her car. And then, like, she... God, I We, we don't have time you. for the entire right, the point script, is, so... The point is, though, Elizabeth Berkeley, she's the lead. It's case like kind of like a rise to stardom tale where she becomes a dancer in, you know... The, Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, um, which sounds like a, it's funny cause it sounds like an old timey concept. Like that's what they used to do on Broadway back <laughs> like in the 40th 32nd street. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Maybe not, not quite. This is like, there's no for, tap dancing. in This, this is one, 42nd street redone as like a lifetime movie rated X. Right. You know, because, but the, the thing is, there's that a reminds lot... me we're overdue for another pod, uh, podcast episode about sex. What, a third one? Yeah. What else do we talk about? Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> well, I'm giving this challenge to you. If we are going to do a third episode about sex, you have to watch Showgirls. That because, sounds great. Because, by the way, this has one of the funniest sex scenes in the history of cinema. Even funnier than the ones written by Frank Miller. <laughs> Oh god, I feel like this scene came out of the Frank Miller cookbook. Oh, <laughs> this like boy. and it's without saying too much, I'm sure if any of you who've seen the movie uh would know what it is, but like there's a scene involving a swimming pool. And by the way, Kyle McLaughlin's in the movie. Yeah. Um he plays like the sort of sleazy entertainment director who I guess technically runs the showgirl yeah i bet showgirls would be a whole lot more interesting if you just thought about it as agent cooper's uh <laughs> origin story <laughs> before he joined the fbi this oh, is what he did nah he's a lot uh diane i found a job in las vegas hopefully this he, will give me the path put me on the path those, of, uh, that i've been looking no, for it, imagine if dale cooper was an fbi agent but instead he was somebody who frequented one-eyed jacks okay Okay. That sounds uh, great. Yeah. Now, for those Twin Peaks fans who remember One-Eyed Jacks, so you know what I'm talking about. He's like, in the movie, he, it's like, even his haircut is sleazy. Like, he has, like, this fop that, like, falls over, like, one eye. <laughs> and, yeah. And Elizabeth Berkeley is absolutely terrible in the movie. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it the, the, again, the screenplay is by this guy, Joe Esterhaus, who became very famous very quickly in Hollywood in the 90s because he would sell these screenplays that were complete dog shit, but they would each sell for like two, three million dollars. And I don't think it was Showgirls, but one of his scripts sold for a lot of money. He also did Basic Instinct. Okay. And also Paul Verhoeven did that too. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I've seen that. Okay. Um, it's like, it has a little bit of that feel, only even sleazier. <laughs> <laughs> so you could picture that. Like, this is the movie where... Um, Elizabeth Berkeley, for some reason, like, there's... By the way, the movie's too long, too. It's, like, two hours and 15 minutes. Way, way, way too long. It tries to be an epic, and there's, like, this whole subplot <laughs> with, like, this... There's like, this subplot... Yeah! It's, like, it tries to be the Gone with the Wind of strip stripper movies. And for all we know, <laughs> it is. <laughs> to a lot of people, it is. Like, this is a cult movie. There's this one black guy in the movie who... 
I found out also had a really memorable role in Speed, but that was that's for another day. At one point, he just stops Elizabeth Berkeley because like he this guy happened to peer in when, where Elizabeth Berkeley was giving a guy a lap dance, and he chastises for it. And very famously, I'm going to repeat this verbatim, says, Hey, I saw you! Man, everybody got AIDS and shit! <laughs> oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Everybody got AIDS and shit, Andrew! <laughs> so, if you go into this movie, just know it is terrible, but it is a lot of fun. It knows what it is. Paul Verhoeven, like, he... Now, the only problem, though, watching it, the last third of the movie gets really ugly, and yeah. not in, like, a fun way. Like, there's something like, yeah, that happens. Yeah, I, I, I've seen the cinnamon sins uh, of, of Showgirls. The cinnamons? So. The cinema sins. Oh, because how you said cinnamons. The cinnamon sins. <laughs> yes. The cinnamon, cinnamon sins. <laughs> you can say that three times fast. All right. So that was Showgirls. Um, and uh, speaking of movies with female protagonists that go absolutely crazy... I also saw The Neon Demon. Have you heard of this movie? Yes, we talked about this a little bit. Did we? When? Well, not on the podcast. I mean, when, oh, when off, we off have mic. been together in okay. real life. All right. Well, this was a movie that I'd wanted to see for a little while. I heard mixed things about it, which is kind of the, the, the deal with this director. Too, too much neon, not enough demon. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll get to that. Um, the director is Nicholas Winding Refn. Um, he's done a, he's done some varied movies, but often very manly movies. His most well-known movie is Drive. Um, and he also did this movie, Only God Forgives, which I don't like. He also did, um, Valhalla Rising, which uh -huh. I'm sure you know a little bit about because they did a Welcome to the Basement on it. Sure, it has, uh, our good old one-eye himself, Matt, Mads, Mads Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen. Yes. Now, it's... It's interesting to think about that movie in this context because um, he like that movie was very much like about having characters talking, you know, in a way that's very stylized. They're not really talking to each other. But also that movie looked very gray and dark and drab. I don't know. That like was my impression from seeing that video. Okay. This movie, Neon Demon, color is used in a really interesting way. Just, you know, because in the title, Neon, you have lots of really bright primary colors, uh, you know, referencing. And it's set in Los Angeles in the world of modeling. And so you have the, the kind of typical story of a girl This from, is the showgirls of yeah, modeling in Yeah, actually, in that Los made me Angeles. think of that. Well, actually, yeah, in a way, well, it has a little <laughs> bit of that milieu, um, I'm sure it goes back, though, to, like, I've heard it compared in reviews to Valley of the Dolls, which I don't know if you could tell me, is that, like, a story where yeah. girls are kind of infighting with each other? Uh, yeah, Valley of the Dolls is, like, is that sort of rise yeah. and fall, and, and also, stardom, and, and the interesting and, you know, thing, life. too, it wasn't Valley of the Dolls, but I read, too, that the director told his cast to watch Beyond the Valley of the Dolls which before is, making the movie. Which is pure genius. <laughs> yes, um, now this movie is not pure genius. Listen to our listen to our cinema immersion tank episode about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls by Andrew. Do that. <laughs> I like the way you said Andrew. You're like a model. Thank listen you. Listen to the podcast starring Andrew. Um, now, so what happens with this movie? It it takes a lot of influence from. I sense a lot of Kubrick. Okay. In this. 
a lot of shots that you know pan out and very stylized dialogue there's also a sense of you're looking at this world of modeling but it feels kind of hyper realistic in a way like even though it's supposed to be set in the real world there's something about it that's off and it's meant to be a little satirical um and for a while i was with the movie for the most part there's also the supporting character now Elle fanning is the lead she's like she plays like the model who comes into this group of models who like all these models have gotten work done on them uh supposedly and Elle fanning is the one natural like she's the one who's had no work done on her and she's a little bit younger and supposedly she's a little bit more naive even though you know she knows that she wants to be a model so there is also a part of her that's also not naive so there's a little bit of that gray area there um jenna malone is also in the movie she's really she's probably my favorite part of the movie she's like the makeup artist for the models but her side gig is doing makeup for uh a funeral home or like in a uh, yeah that that type of thing yeah that's um, that's a job that yes. that exists um what happens with this movie though i was mostly with it and liking it for the first i'd say two-thirds maybe even up until the last uh 20 minutes and then it complete. then it suddenly goes hey let's stop being a drama let's become a horror movie yeah and let's become a horror movie that well to be fair that's what beyond the valley of the dolls did <laughs> yes but beyond the valley of the dolls i felt like was real what it knew what it was from start to finish this, like, it doesn't have that tone. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is a lot of fun to watch. This yeah, is very... That is true, but we do have to keep in mind that they were that Roger Ebert and uh, Russ Meyer were coming up with the story as they wrote it. So mm. The funny thing is, there was a little bit of that I've read with the Neon Demon, too, and it shows a little bit. Like, there were times where I've read where the director got on set and was like, well, I don't know what we're going to do today. Um... <laughs> But but that's all. That Any be, ideas? But that can be a recipe for disaster as well as success. Like sure. if you have, you know, the, I I would say most of the time it is a recipe for disaster. And in this case, ultimately, where the story ends up going isn't satisfying because the treatment of it is very cold and ugly. Like it, it's not fun to watch. Although I was laughing a couple of times, almost unintentionally. Um, <laughs> But in, like, the last, I'm not even going to say last third, the last quarter of the movie, it almost takes a jump off a cliff, and it just, I'm not going to say it becomes a different movie, but it becomes more unsatisfying, and while I would say I, overall, my impression is, if you are going to see it, go see it in a theater, because it feels like it's made for a big screen, right. because of how the director uses his camera and how he uses color, and the soundtrack is really great. It's very 80s synth-influenced. It, it, I left the theater like shaking my head like, well, that was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I left feeling like that. Well, you know, I would say this sounds like a very interesting film. I'm certainly going to see it. You, I but think I you think like that it. you should revisit this film. I'm not saying buy the DVD. I'm just saying when you get a chance, Maybe. watch it again. Let's watch it together. Maybe, because, yeah, that's not a bad idea. You know, sometimes a film takes a left turn and you don't see it coming and it feels really awkward or it feels really abrupt. Yeah. But then when you see it again, maybe you can find the things in the beginning that really 
that really support that. Or maybe you'll find that it, it is the left turn that you thought it was. That 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 is that you know what? That's why they invented the cinema immersion tank. Right on. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. Um so yeah, yeah. I I'll, I'll I'll have your back on that one. Okay. And um I have maybe one more movie. Is there anything else you want to talk about though before I finish up? Nah, you you go. All right, all right. Talk about this last movie and we'll wrap it up. Oh, okay. One well, one last one. Yeah. Um, well, there were a couple ones I saw. I'll just mention one really fast. I saw Our Kind of Traitor, right. a spy movie. Vu McGregor and Stellan Sarsgaard. I love I love you and McGregor, as you know. Do you? I do. Okay, good. Uh, well, he's awesome. So great. I'm glad you like him. It's a cool. It's a nice little spy movie. Not not great, but if you want to check it out on DVD, I recommend it. There's my review. Sweet. Uh, okay. Here's another. Now, here this movie I just saw a couple days ago. Um, called the infiltrator doesn't that sound like a cool title not really nah, it, it sounds a it, little generic it, it sounds like a generic action film from the early 90s mm, maybe it's not quite that though uh brian cranston uh is this guy who works for infiltrates things yeah well he's an fbi agent or he, he... i am an fbi agent <laughs> You made Keanu Reeves sound. Australian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm an FBI agent. <laughs> Come on, kangaroo. We're going to surf. No. I'm going to stop doing impressions. <laughs> We're going to surf that koala bear. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway, Brian, this is very non-Australian. This is a... 80s drug movie. Did you just whisper something under your breath? No, keep going. <laughs> I'm gonna have to listen back to that now. Like I'm listening to this <laughs> to this Bruder film. Or you, something. You, you hear like you hear like a ghost saying, "Help me, I'm trapped. <laughs> I'm trapped in this podcast. Let me out." Um, so Brian Cranston has to go undercover, um, and he wants to follow the money, like in in the story of Pablo Escobar. Oh yeah, trying to bring him down his drug empire. Um, now this is a little release, relatively, even though it's gotten it's it's on over a thousand screens. So if you want to see it, it shouldn't be too hard, at least unless they pull all the screenings. Um, but I like that they released a movie for adults in the middle of summer, um, so that you know, hey, if I don't want to see X sequel. Or X animated movie. I X can actually Men. go see. Yeah, well, no, no one wants to see X Men. Well, not after Apocalypse. No. Um, but uh, no, this is a movie made for adults uh, that it asks. You know, it, it, it's not terribly original. You you know the kind of type of thing where a guy goes into cover and the tension builds because he you know might be figured out. Uh, or he has to do stuff that he really doesn't want to do. There is a little bit of that, yeah. yeah. He actually kind of makes a big lie for himself because, like, he goes with one of the drug people. Yeah, the whole like departed plug. thing, you know. A little departed thing, yeah, a little bit of that. Um, what I love, though, of course, is that Brian Cranston, I love watching him being stressed out on a big screen. Uh, he Breaking Bad, that was one of the things that made that show so great was just seeing him losing his mind every episode and being under pressure and being like, we can't let this happen. I have to get my family to death. Yeah, yeah, pretty much that. Like, if you saw him in Godzilla where he's like, you're hiding something and I want to know. Yeah. There's a little bit of that to this movie. 
Although, By the way, special thanks to our headphone listeners. Sorry, I know I went a little bit Brian Cranston there, a little bit past eleven. Um, but this I want to say thank you, but by now you're already deaf. But so, it's very, inter- but it's an entertaining movie, um, despite some of its genre trappings. Um, I left with a couple of like logical questions about the plot, uh, but that didn't happen while I was watching the movie. I was able to suspend my disbelief, uh, and I was able to enjoy a very good supporting cast too. I, I had little flashbacks to Inglorious Bastards because Diane Kruger is in the movie, um, and she plays uh, Brian Cranston's fake fiance. And so I thought back to when she was pretending to be a, uh, a German officer huh. in that movie. And uh, so there's a little bit of that type of thing where if you like watching characters going undercover and being other people, uh, maybe like, I guess to a degree, maybe Argo had a little bit of that. So, oh, and Brian Cranston was in that too. So, oh, you're right. Um, yeah. So that's The Infiltrator. Uh, lots of 80s too. There's a lot of 80s going on between Neon Demon and The Infiltrator, although very different kind of movies the infiltrator is more of like a michael mann feel um and uh whereas neon demon not so much no um so those are the movies that i've seen recently yeah if you've seen any of these new releases or if you've seen showgirls send us a message uh you can email us at wageofcinema at gmail.com um we're also on twitter facebook uh instagram i always like to try to post little fun things and i always put a little note like i did today on twitter that if you have any questions for us send us a tweet we always like to read tweets and comments and all those good things that people like to send people on social media um you know uh you know don't don't send us anything from tinder because i don't even know what that is uh do you know what tinder is i think it's a dating app Uh, that's what you use to uh, light fires All right, that's a good. All right, with that, uh, well, when we come back from the podcast, um, and by the way, please uh, subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud if you can. Uh, that helps us uh, in our presence online, as well as writing reviews of us on iTunes. Um, when we come back, uh, Andrew has for you a, a special report, if you will, about a movie which is also very crazy and desi- divisive. And comes from another time and place, and, well, I'll let him take it. Oh, hell no, the devil is a liar! Get out of my friend, ghost! 